Well, first of all, this isn't the first time we've had these calls. Obviously, they've been around for a long time. I would say, you know, a good three or four decades already that these calls have been um, heard and voiced around the Israeli public. But there's two big differences concerning what's going on now vis-a-vis or compared with what happened before. First of all, the call coming now, very interestingly, has not been emanating from, originating from the secular uh, Israeli left, which is usually the strongest calling for Israeli draft. It's often been coming from the Israeli left, or let's just call it more the, the, the secular areas of Israeli society, in the name of equality, equality in sharing the burden. The, the difference a bit of the call today is that much of it is actually coming from the religious Zionist sector in Israel, who has been sharing a great deal of the brunt of the actual combat fighting uh, in Gaza. And you can see that just from the casualties, but also from the identity of these soldiers. And they're saying, listen, we're also Orthodox. We're also engaged in Torah study. We also want to live a religious lifestyle, but we're there. You should be there too. And that's not coming necessarily from a place of equality. It's also coming from a place of brotherhood. We're brothers. We're together. You have to see this letter that was written by religious Zionist mothers. About a thousand of them have signed on this letter. It's addressed to Haredi mothers and says, listen, we're mothers just like you. We love you. We're one nation. Please send your children to the army. So it's a slightly different type of call, and it, it touches a chord, it touches a, a kind of string that hasn't really been plucked a lot in the past. That's number one. But number two, and more significantly, this is a war like we haven't had at least for 50 years, and probably since 1948. And therefore, this time, this time of war, which has also been a time of great unity, really strikes at a different, uh, it, the, the call for service in the IDF really comes on a very different backdrop to the usual call. The usual call, well, equality. But equality, you know, you don't get up in the morning in order to fulfill the value of equality, but you do get up in the morning in order to, to, to fulfill your calling as part of a nation, as, as part of a, a brotherhood of Jews living in uh, Eretz Israel where there's something much more meaningful in, in that type of call, the kind of backdrop, the kind of unity that we've experienced. And therefore, there has been a lot more internal discussion within the Haredi communities about how do we respond to this. Uh, don't forget, we've had a lot of older Haredi individuals enlisting in the IDF. It's true, that's not a three-year service, and that's not going to do the trick in terms of what we need for the army. But there are a lot of different ideas being banded around in the Haredi space. How do we respond to this in an effective way? Tell us about some of these ideas. What possible solutions are emerging from the ultra-Orthodox community? Okay, so there are are several ideas going around. The, The main tension is concerning the... Haredi youth. And that tension runs two ways. On the one hand, it's about the yeshiva students. In the Haredi mindset, in the Haredi self-understanding, yeshiva students should not be serving in the IDF. It's true that the original 
purpose of the exemption for yeshiva students was to rehabilitate the decimated yeshiva world from the Holocaust. That yeshiva world has been rehabilitated and it's now bigger than it ever was. But nevertheless, the, the mindset, the self-understanding is that Torah study is something which is vital for the Jewish people and therefore it shouldn't be touched even at the expense of not doing army service because of that sanctified status or status of uh, Torah study. At the same time, we know within Haredi society that there are literally thousands of young men in the Haredi space who are not engaged in full-time Torah study because not everyone is cut out for it. And therefore, part of the conversation is focused on those young Haredi men who are not engaged in full-time Torah study. And like I said, there's a great number of them and they're not in the army. So what can be done with them? Some are taking this in a direction of let's do these special programs with the army that enable them to integrate as part of a high-tech unit, cyber unit, computer unit. And there are already significant programs that are working well in that direction and are allowing for the integration of Haredim through the more computer cyber units in the IDF. There's a large program called COD COD, uh, code, right, COD code, whatever. That's where the name comes from. And it's doing well. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, there are many volunteers, Haredi young men who are volunteering in organizations like Zaka, like Hatsala, and so on. And there's a program right now, which hasn't yet been realized, but it's in the thinking of how do we integrate that as part of home front? That Haredi is going to be part of the home front activities via these organizations. There are other thoughts about the home front too. But ultimately, uh, Mark, and I'll, I'll say this um, because I think it, it needs to be said, that these, these alternatives are important. They're good, but they're not enough. We need Haredi in combat duty. We need to bear the brunt together with the rest of Israeli society. And that track is a track called Netzach Yehuda. Netzach Yehuda is a Haredi battalion. That battalion over the years has been able to bring Haredim to the IDF, but only those whose profile is very distant from your visible Haredi, the guy that looks the part, the guy that's really a part of kind of mainstream Haredi society. And there's a lot of talk right now about how do we also think about more mainstream Haredi joining this Haredi battalion, which is a combat battalion in the IDF. One of the main issues is how do we work this out with the army? The army in the past years has not been very favorable to Haredi integration because it's complicated. It's complicated when you have an agenda of integrating women in almost every unit in the IDF. Well, with Haredi, that's not going to work. So how do you balance the agenda of integrating women on the one hand with integrating Haredi on the other? And also, Haredi units have their own kind of nature and character. The army in the past has had some difficulty with that, and that's had a price. That's, that's exerted a cost concerning the operational status of Netzach So these are issues that are really being worked out as we speak, that there are you know, several initiatives out there. And presumably, for a final question, 
you would agree with the argument that um, whatever solutions emerge can only come as a result of ongoing dialogue and will not be forced on the ultra-Orthodox community. I think that's just a very, very important point. You know, we, we don't want to go back to October 6th. October 6th, the nation was, you know, radically um, polarized and, you know, virtually at each other's throats. And part of that polarization was also related to the Haredi. Don't forget that those who opposed the judicial reforms were also demonstrating in Bnebrak of all places, not against the government, but against Haredi civilians. We don't want to go back there. And not going back there, I think, you know, it requires uh, the, the ability to compromise on all parts. The Haredi need to compromise by being more open-minded towards army service. This is urgent. In the past, it's been this division of labor. It's them and us. We don't do army. We do other things. They do army and economics and institutions and branches of government, and we do our things. That's got to stop. It's not them and us. It's a collective we, and we also do army service, even though that threatens to undermine some of the isolationist policy within Haredi society. But yes, that's the new reality of Israel. In any case, we can't be totally isolated when we're 1.3 million people and close to 15% of the Israeli population. So that's not going to happen anyway. We need to embrace that. But on the other hand, outside of Haredi society, there also needs to be a compromise in understanding that we have to translate this into Haredi parlance, into a Haredi language. This has to be um, realized in a way that's palatable within the Haredi space. And that will happen. I'm confident that will happen, but only through dialogue and creative, constructive thinking on how to make this as palatable as, as possible as we can within the Haredi space. I think it can be done. I think it needs to be done. The, the current moment is a moment of reconstructing what Israel is about. Haredi are a big part of that reconstruction of Israel.